Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along show. Hello and welcome to episode 104. Tonight's show is brought to you by farting while making eye contact. <laughs> that's that's what tonight's show is brought to you by. So, uh, we didn't record last week. What was it? I don't remember what was going on. Uh, Wednesday, I had gone for a long hike. Yeah, and then Thursday, you went to some doctor's appointments and stuff. And like, yeah, about we were whooped. six o'clock when Andrew would normally be full blown rally time. For once, she was the one that was very tired. I was falling asleep. She was on the straight couch. up asleep on the couch. Yeah. So Matt's like, "Do you want to record tonight?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we we should." She's and like, "And then we, I fell asleep. We have." Uh, I fell asleep, and then he was like, hey, we're not going to record tonight. He woke me up with that. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's probably a better thing. So, I don't know if we have a lot to talk about or not. We we're have gonna, a fuck ton to talk about. We're going to talk about patrons first. My God, there's so many pages and tabs open. We're going to start with our $10 patrons. We got Zach, Tom, P, Todd, Ty, Tennessee, Zach, Team, Jerry, Leadville, 24. New people. Does that mean they're going to race Leadville in 2024? They want, they want Team JRA to race Leadville in 24. If you'll pay for all the entries, I will do it. Got Do they have a relay? Scott Stop is my daddy. SEG Shuko, Sam Pecklin Racing. We've got Sam, Ryan, Rusty Shammy, Parker, Noah, Nick, my pal Dal, MTB Shenanigans, Leland, King Donko, Punch Stania, Kenny Sucks, Ken, Josh, Josh, Jeff, JC, Jara Dix. Jake, this book is largely concerned with hobbits, and from its pages, a reader may discover much of their character and a little, That's I don't it. know, uh, Hugh Janus Industries, Green Giant, Ho, 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 Gordon, G-Man, Frank, F That Guy, Mark Kligerman, Ezra Trilogy, Evan, Dan, Captain. Dan is new also. Oh, hey, Dan. Captain Fickle, Cam Irish 1. Billy Singlespeed, Bill, Bo, Baggins, Alec, AJ, Aaron, Esker, Cycles. They were at 11. So, because nope, Jake nope. made such a long name. Because Jake is a super fan and not a cocksucker like Clayton. <laughs> Wait, he's not on the list. Where was he? I don't know. Um. Anyways, he's not a cocksucker. He's a super fan. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, so, Esker Cycles is like $11.69 a month. Then we've got two folks from down in the kangaroo land, Lead Out Sports and Josh. They're at like 14 kangaroo ears apiece. Dean is at something ridiculous, like 16.50 kangaroo ears apiece. And then at $20 a month, we've got Scott, Poop Wrench, Joe, Brady, Anthony, Affordable Trail Solutions, Harley at 30 Troy at 31, Brad at 32, and Six Pack Outdoors at 50. Yeah. And we can close both of these tabs. We have, a, we have a question to read off of here eventually. Yeah, that's my that's my intro crap. Since I'm already talking, I'll talk about what I've been doing, and it's not a lot. I rode more than I had been riding, and then I found myself violently tired. That's the only way to put it. Just violently. There's, there's no other way to put it. Matt, this happens to Matt. I've seen it happen... Throughout the years that I've known him, that especially at Silamo, we'll ride for a day or two and then get back to the cabin and he'll literally just lay on the couch with a dog and go to sleep. Yeah, I mean, and Silamo was always a time to just go and focus and ride. And I went from not riding a lot to riding a pretty decent amount with some decent intensity and it just absolutely destroyed me. I also did a lot of really wild stuff. You may have heard of a company called SRAM, and SRAM is an acronym of the founders' names, the S being 
the same S as in Scott for Scott King. And I, I have, always thought that was Stan. Nope. And I met Scott King the other day. I went to a dinner at Troy's house. Where he slipped you a couple hundreds and said, keep talking good about us on JRA. Oh. No, he didn't. It wasn't a couple of hundreds. It was three SIDs, a pike, and two <laughs> transmission groups. I'm just kidding. He he just shook my hand and said, thanks for helping out tonight. Because when I go to Taco Tuesday at Troy's, there's like 25 people from SRAM there. I very rarely know any of them more than just in passing. And I stand in the kitchen and cook my ass off with Troy and this time his wonderful wife Carrie she was there first Taco Tuesday I've been to that Carrie was in attendance because she used to work out of town a lot so just between I just did a lot of stuff I like I don't know if we talked about me fixing my truck yet um I did I think we talked about mini truck stuff fix my truck I went to Taco Tuesday I just been really busy there was another round of layoffs at work which is always stressful and I just crashed Andrew and I tried to do a decent ride on Sunday, and I just couldn't hack it. I I had an existential crisis mid-ride. I <laughs> got attacked and eaten by biting flies. The May flies, look, Matt was trying to... Just die. Die. Like, he was trying to stop riding and sit on the side of the 4x4 the four four road we were climbing. And this is like an hour and a half climb, I think. It was... Maybe an hour 40 or something. I don't know. It's a long climb. It's difficult. And it was hot. And literally, he wanted to stop. But he he could not stop for more than 30 seconds at a time before the flies would just descend upon both of us and start biting us. So he just, he didn't even get the satisfaction of having a meltdown on the side of the trail and putting his head on his saddle because the flies just wouldn't let him. Yep. And then later in that ride, I'm just going to tell you this. The Epic Evo is a dangerous bike. <laughs> it's so good. The geometry is so stable. And then suddenly you smash your front wheel into something. And you're like, God damn, this is a recon on a skinny rim on a 124. And my rim and that rock just fucking touched. <laughs> so if Andrew is riding an Asagai 25, or a, no, XR4 24. The XR4 is not quite Most an underrated Asagai. tire on the market. Yeah, it's, it's great. But it's not an ass guy. But if she's riding an XR4 on a Lyric, going down a trail that she loves, and you're riding a Recon with a Sid on a trail that you just think is okay, you're... Well, you've only done it like two or three times, haven't you? Yeah, because I don't like it that much. Okay. I didn't like that trail that much before Sunday. All right. I don't think the climb is worth the descent. I just don't. And Andrew is going to tell me I'm wrong, and I don't care. You can't tell me how I feel. And how I feel is that that trail is just not worth the climb, especially when there's biting flies involved. We could have climbed more and gone to Greens Creek and then had to climb back to the car. Anyways, where I'm going is the, the, the epic geometry is just so good that you don't realize you're running out of bike until it happens. It's not like my spark where the bike geometry Made was... Made the whole thing feel sketchy. Not sketchy. It was just very XC. And I I don't know how else to describe my Epic Evo than it's a trail bike that climbs like an XC bike. Because it has trail bike geometry mostly. It's the most progressive XC bike I've ever ridden. And it just goes downhill so fucking well for what it is. And then you realize what it is and your butthole puckers up real tight. <laughs> 
Let's see what else is going on with me. I changed my spark plugs in my truck before work yesterday. I bought 18 gallons of propane yesterday. Not pounds, but gallons. Um, and what was that? 17 gallons of fuel, gasoline. Um, what did you put that propane in? Tanks. Oh. We have three or four propane tanks. We have four propane tanks. Yeah. Oh, I figured you have like one of those big daddy ones. We do. Well, yeah, we got that too for the house, but this is for the grill and for chicken stuff, you know, yeah, processing chickens and processing whatnot. or meat birds and gosh, it's gonna be less than two weeks now. But yeah, I just don't I know that I could get because we run our house on propane, you know, all of our like heating stove and our cooking stove are on propane. I'm sure I could pay someone to come out and plumb up the propane to have an extra thing for a propane grill but i just it's not a priority for me to get that done right now so i've sort of acquired propane tanks over time and i just get them all filled up at once and they go in the shed didn't we just find some that someone had dumped that's like where two of them came from that was like someone left them on the trail somewhere we picked one up that someone had dumped we got one with the new barbecue grill Right, that's what And it was. then... We had one with the old grill. We had one with the old grill, and when we bought the house and had the housewarming party, the realtor, Adriana, gifted us a full propane tank. Are they all right. the traditional 20-pound barbecue grill ones, or yeah. you got some weird and wonderful sizes? No, no just, just the just the normal size ones. Oh, okay. Because I'm collecting all kinds of weird and wonderful size propane tanks. <laughs> you got to strike that balance between how much can you lift and transport with how much. Well, I think Kenny's talking about the really cool small ones. Yeah, they make like. Like the baby, like the, the party keg size one. They make five pound ones and 10 pound ones. And then, of course, your barbecue barbecue grill one is a 20 pounder. And they make like 30 pounders, which look like a barbecue one, but they're just taller. And. They make a bunch of them. It's insane. They make 100-pound ones that are, you know, five foot tall. Oh, yeah. How big is the one attached to your house? Do you know? It's a 500-gallon, Oh, think. so that's a lot of pounds. Yeah. 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 It's the size of a small car. That's pretty awesome. Do you have to fill yeah, it, like, once it. a year or twice a year? Uh, it's roughly every 10 months. Yeah. Very cool. Depends on how hard the winter is. In fact, we should get that topped off now, now while the propane prices are lower. How much is um, propane out at you guys? It just, you know, I don't even a couple of dollars a gallon. The last time they filled it up, it was like 900 bucks. It's really annoying. Yeah. Yeah. What about like your little portable ones? How much are they charging out there? It's like three, three dollars or three fifty here. It was something in that neighborhood because I got 18 gallons and I don't know. I can't remember. I just don't. I know this is going to sound really weird. Don't take this the wrong way. Like, I'm at a point in my life where normal everyday commodities like that, I try not to look at how much they cost. The guy gave me a number, and I just jammed my card in there and paid for it. Well, I just, yeah, I mean it, that's. I'm definitely the same I just, way. I think it's more just interesting what it costs versus like gasoline. It's not going to change my decision at all, right? Like, if you need it, you just you just get it. Yeah, but exactly. it's interesting comparing that to gasoline and then also that to like the pre-filled tanks and then you realize that you're oh, those are obviously getting taken for a little bit of a ride on those yeah the tank exchange is the worst ever yeah we've got at the ace hardware in salida you can just get whatever tank you have filled yeah so that's pretty much all i've done uh truck's running great i got to get my dash reconditioned in it which is sending the the instrument cluster off and having the all the I don't know the the terms that well, but essentially, 
Knock the dust bunnies off of it. Pol- oh, polishing I, your speedometer to, needles? No, I think what they're doing is when those things start to get weird, I think the little resistors in the back of the gauge or the back of the instrument cluster go bad, and they change all those and test it. And, because right now my fuel gauge reads funny, and my speedometer reads inconsistently. And based on everything that I found from the wonderful clubfrontier.org, which is the best forum if you need to know anything about any Nissan truck ever. Clubfrontier.org has a forum that has two posts about it already. I guarantee it. Biggest size tire that'll fit with no lift? They know. What axle has the best e-locker that you can buy aftermarket? They know. What truck came with an e-locker that you can find at a junkyard? The list goes on and on and on and on. They know everything. And according to them, the issue is the cluster. It's not the sending unit in the tank. It's not the speedometer. If the speedometer was having the only other issue that my truck could have, it wouldn't read any speed. So it's a cluster issue. It's not the drive gear and the transfer case issue. So I'm going to get the dash reworked, and I'm going to see if I can get someone local to build me some bumpers for it, and I'm going to drive the ever-loving piss out of that truck because I really, really like that truck. Very cool. So, yeah. Um, AC working that thing? The AC, man, it's cold. we got Freon in that bitch. You could hang meat in the cab of that truck. Nice. You turn the oh, AC the on. The cab's also tiny. Doesn't matter. You turn the AC on, you better hope the fucking sun doesn't go behind a cloud. If it does, your nipples are getting hard. That truck don't play. <laughs> that AC does not fuck around, okay? That shit was made in 1998 when the ozone did not matter. <laughs> <laughs> and that truck gets cold, so... So we've been talking about uh, a lot of propane facts. Propane's been used in refrigeration before. So they used to have like propane fridges and stuff. I think oh, that's, that's still what, uh, RVs and stuff. Tom, yeah, you can use those. Yeah, Tom, the uh, our, our friend and listener who let me use his little camper for elk season last year. Yeah, that was a propane fridge. Yeah, they still make those. But don't, uh, maybe maybe I'm just wrong on how they work. I should uh, no, brush it's up a, on it. So what you're confusing is they're... The it would still have refrigerant, but it is instead of running on juice, it runs on sauce. Exactly. So but they actually had one where the refrigerant because propane can also be a refrigerant, except you know it's God. except it's Damn. propane, so maybe it goes explodey. I mean, if you have a leak, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What happened to your house? My refrigerator exploded. <laughs> There's been a lot of propane facts on this show. That's impressive. And fucking propane and propane accessories. And I said the weirdest thing to the kids at Ace Hardware. They were being total shitheads. I walk in and I walk over to the counter and they're looking at cars or some shit on the work computer instead of working, which I have no problem with, but I'm a customer. And I walk up to the counter and they kept talking for like 20 more seconds and something in my brain took over. And I don't know what... The boomer side of you? I don't know what compelled me to do this, but as soon as one of them looked at me, I said, I need some propane. (laughs) Dude, yeah, messing with kids is going to be definitely a pastime in my future. (laughs) Just say off-the-wall shit, right? Like, you know, just freak them out, too. Look here, fuck shit. You're going to get me some propane. You're quick looking at cars. And they're going to be like, oh, my God. And they'll talk about it for, you know, six months down the road about this crazy not e- customer not even that like i didn't want to be rude but i just wanted to be weird shut up dude Taco, the quit. cat exists 
Our dog's, I, our dog's mad at the cat. I just wanted to like do something weird to make them slightly uncomfortable because yeah. I don't yeah. know they just they, <laughs> they decided to work in retail. It's their problem. Uh, I, I mean, guess, at least we're not like I think our generation we're not like you know boomers who would be all indignant and be an asshole to them and then go home and complain to Barb about how the kids at the store are just on the computer all the time and nah, we'll be different. We're gonna just be fucking weirdos to them. Yeah, and like the kid, one kid looked at the other kid and he's like, well, so-and-so can get your propane. And the other kid was like, well, I guess you're stocking the fridge. And I'm just like, dude, you fucking are working. Like, just work. And then the kid walks outside with me and I pulled five propane tanks out of my truck and I could tell that he just died inside. He's like, fuck, I'm not going to be inside for a while. It's like, <laughs> no, man, I'm your customer. Uh, and I think that sums up, oh, I rode the new Esker Jaffe since we recorded last. I haven't talked about that for sure. Okay. I thought you had, but it doesn't matter. Go ahead. I, we have to mention Esker and Wolftooth and SRAM in every episode or else people get mad at us. So, Yeah, Tim Kruger's not really a kneecap buster. That's more Brendan from Wolftooth. Brandon comes out. So there's Brendan and Brandon, and Brandon comes out and knocks my kneecaps in and then leaves. Um, they made some new stuff. We don't have to talk about them now. And then, you know, Ed Nasgeletti calls me and just tells me he's really disappointed we didn't talk about SRAM in the show. Um, <laughs> and Tim's more, I don't know how to put it. He's just. He just won't return your messages. And I mean, he doesn't return my messages anyways. <laughs> but he will say something to me like, guess that new bike just wasn't as good as we thought, huh? And it'll be really, really just disappointed. So. I don't know how. I always thought my Esker Hey Duke rode really well. The Gen 1 Hey Duke. And I'm wrong. The Jaffe rides really well. It just fucking goes. And I've told you all before, I'm not smart. I don't I don't understand geometry that well. I can tell you if you like bike number one, if you'll like bike number two or not. And I don't know that I could look at a geometry chart and tell you what is different and what about the, the Jaffe makes the Jaffe better than the Hey Duke. But I can tell you that the bike just feels better. I rode the Jaffe or the Hey Duke in all kinds of configurations. I've ridden it single speed. I've ridden it geared a couple times. I've ridden it with a rigid fork. I've ridden it with a 120 Sid. I've ridden it with a 130 Fox fork. I've ridden it with a 130 Pike. I built up the Jaffe. I built up the Jaffe 130 Pike with single speed on it. Oh my gosh, Taco. And the world's worst dog in our house. And uh, the bike just rides really well. I don't know really why. Do they it's, weigh the same? Who cares? I didn't even weigh it. It's a steel hardtail. It's, it's a steel hardtail. Who gives a shit? It's going to be, if I wanted it to be light, I'd buy another spot rocker that I thought rode like dick. <laughs> um, I didn't like that bike. I don't have to like it. I'm an adult. And the, yeah, the Jaffe's just really good. So if you need a hardtail and you don't really care what it weighs, buy a Jaffe. Um, that's it. I'm done talking. Someone else should talk. Kenny, what you been up to? Nothing exciting. Some moto stuff. Haven't really ridden the bike. Yeah, sorry. Nothing exciting over here. Been getting in some morning rides. It's been kind of on and off raining. It's been ungodly hot in Utah. But we have been getting a little bit Utah of... Utah out of that. Yeah, we've been getting ungodly hot. a little bit of rain. So I took advantage of that, just did a super early morning ride on Tuesday, and I'll probably do the same uh, tomorrow morning. 
but yeah, been enjoying moto as usual. The Ridge lines working awesome. Really like that car. It's all freaking dialed now. What else is going on in my life? Can the Ridgey tow a Daewoo? Yeah, for sure. It can tow like uh, 5,000 pounds. Yep. <laughs> Andrea's going to, I was just trying to stir Andrea up. I'm beyond being stirred right now. I was going to make the joke that you should just bring the Daewoo out here when you come out here and just leave it here. Yeah, if you want Can you do not do that? <laughs> I mean, if you want to get a storage unit for it and, you know, keep it off the property someplace. That's not, the, the deal we have is no non-running cars. The Daewoo runs. It runs. She's so pissed off at her own rules right now. I can change them at any point in time. I can say no non-running cars or Daewoo's. God damn it. <laughs> Fine. So Kenny, plug the Daewoo again so someone else buys it so I'm not tempted by it. Yeah, there's still a Daewoo for sale if somebody wants it for some amount of money. Stripped out and turboed. That's correct. If you want a race car, there you go. It's weird and wonderful. Wouldn't it be just the world's best Gambler 500 car? It does a lot of things good. It's good at making stories. (laughs) I've got a month to work on Andrea. No, no. Built you a chicken coop. Stop. Kenny, is that all that's uh that's been happening with you? <laughs> yeah. We need to move off of this topic. Yeah, I wish I had more exciting stuff to talk about. Is there anything? Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Got a you, bunch of, I've got a, a bunch real of I've got a real minor creek. Maybe I talked about it. Who knows? I got a real minor creek. Yeah, you said something about it. On the bike I gotta figure out. I did wash it for the first time since I've owned it, which is pretty cool. But did you put any, like, lube on that little brass collar on the axle yet? No. Well, it did. It had it. I put some on there. I think if you have a Specialized, by the way, that 45-degree brass collar thing on your rear axle is notorious for creaking. So just make sure that's nice and greased. But also, you can pull that collar back maybe a millimeter. And where that collar actually touches the head of the bolt, mm-hmm. that can actually... Um, be dry and creaky as well so put a little tri-flow in there yeah t-flow just, works awesome for that i just kind of cram some grease down in there with my finger yeah if you can get some in there that's impressive that's tough we've got some syringes with grease in them but they I work think, well I for that application i think that's it again i wish i had more cool amazing stuff to talk about but yeah that's it tom's getting up to laria yeah it's cool there's lots of people emotos are getting popular in general it's fun times i'd buy one if i just found a bunch of money you already have one. <laughs> I get another one. Well, yeah, of course. M- motos are Tom, a lot like Tom bicycles. was like, do you think Tom said something about he wanted to pay Matt to help him put it together? I'm like, I don't think you have to pay him. I think you just have to let him like ride it around a little bit after you get it together. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, Tom, you, you don't have to pay me. Just I'll come over and help you get that bitch all set up. I'm interested. I want you to ride that, Matt, because I want to know what you think about that compared to your trials bike. Obviously, very, very different bikes, but I'm just curious if you ride trails. uh, That might be really cool. So maybe you could sweet talk him into borrowing that for a ride. That would be awesome. Or just tell him, like, hey, Tom, I want to borrow this. All right, man. (laughs) Especially if you get him after 5 p.m. on any day of the week. Yeah. I think you will already have a... Go ahead. I was going to say he'll already have like applied the uh, weed and liquor to himself and he'll be pretty easy to talk into. Or you just you show up like any day and you're like, yeah, yesterday you said it was last night, you know, we talked at 6 p.m. <laughs> and you said it was cool if I took this on vacation with me to, I don't know, Arizona. 
And he'd be like, oh, oh okay. Shit. Oh, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Tom. I wouldn't, I would not take advantage of the beep boops with you. Um, so question, yeah. Matt, have you spent much time doing like traditional single track on the trials bike or do you do more trialsy stuff like little sessions? I've done a little bit of single track riding on it. You know, I think like the, when you first got it, that's mainly what you did. Yeah. Cause it's what I knew. And also the, the biggest complaint I have is you just can't sit down. So and the battery life is a little low for doing single track for single track. The battery life's low, but even for the single track rides that I did do, they were a hundred percent out of the saddle. Yeah. Well, they, so that, they, they have to just be tiring. <laughs> Well, there's no saddle. Well, it's just a little tiring. You don't realize how many times in those smooth sections when climbing or between obstacles descending that you would just take a little leg break. Yeah, so. I mean, I stand up 75% of the time for sure. But right. those twenty that 25% of the time I sit down, it's pretty important. And also like longer kind of loose techie hill climbs being like have your butt on the seat, maybe not fully sitting down. But, you know, or being able to like run into the seat, if you will, right? Like that's your limiter. Um, you can get lazy and just get like smacked in the ass by your seat. Like that's okay. But on a trials bike, it's all leg all the time, no matter what. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure I'll have one at some point. I just don't know when. Sick. Andrea, Andrew. what you been up to? Right. Well, I went out for, so that was last Wednesday when I think Matt had just made it through another round of layoffs at his work and I had gone out for an elk scouting trip and I found two miles from a trailhead a an off-trail drainage and I found elk up there. I was going up this kind of steep hill and I knew there was a little plateau at the top where it was going to level off and I had the wind at my back and was thinking there's no way if there are elk up here I'm not going to see them because my wind is blowing straight up this hill to where they would be. But I came over the top of this ridgeline and looked up, and there's a, not small, but, you know, not trophy size, just a medium-sized bull elk just just looking at me. Just kind of standing there, just looking like, what are you? Like, he wasn't panicky or anything. He didn't run off. He just kind of stared at me, looked over his shoulder at me, and I whipped out my camera and got my phone and got a picture of him and got a little video of him trotting off and I was like wow that was really cool I stood there for a few minutes and this is one of in the higher spots like that um, I have actually have phone service and I sent Matt a picture of this elk and said this just saw this or this just happened or something like that and you know stood there for a few minutes and I thought well I really need to see if there's water up here and there might be some, it looks like there might be some, you know, a hundred yards away, you know, in this next clearing. And it had been probably five minutes since I, you know, the elk had trotted off and I walked another 50 yards and he was just in the next group of trees. Just, he was like, ah, shit, what are you doing over here? Like, I, I thought I ran away from you and he just trotted off again. And it's like, wow, that elk was not concerned about me at all. And so I decided I should go ahead and go back down so I didn't stir them up too much because I could also hear some cows. I couldn't see them, but I could hear them. They make a really cool noise that I could insert right here. I heard some cows and so I, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and get out of here. I, I don't want them to be. They're obviously not that scared of humans. I don't want them to be, so I'm going to leave them alone now. And on my way down, 
I'm kind of looking, I'm going down in a different way than I came in. And I look in this patch of trees and I see something dark brown between some trees. And at first I'm like, that is that a moose? And then I was just looked another minute and I'm like, ah, there's a bunch of deadfall around here and that thing's not moving, whatever it is. I think it's just some deadfall. I think it's a tree laid up between a couple of other trees. And I kind of kept walking in that general direction. No, it was a fucking big bull elk. Like that was the the big guy of the herd. Like I had seen the little guy and this was the big guy. And he ran off. He didn't stop. He didn't stay around for pictures. He He just kind of crashed off through the trees. So that was really cool. And that's uh, that was exciting. Um, the next day, I think I mentioned in an episode or two ago, I've been having some nerve pain in my right arm. And it's mainly when I lay down. And I went to the orthopedic urgent care the next day on Thursday because that was really bothering me and I couldn't sleep. Which is well, why, and you've been trying to make an appointment with the specialist. Yeah, for so weeks for like the and... last week, and so before I go any further, I just want to let everyone out there know I appreciate everyone who messages me about orthopedic and medical issues. I appreciate your concern and your advice, but I don't really need it, and you don't have to message me with it. So no offense, don't take it personally. You don't have to tell me your... Respectfully. Respectfully. Please do not message me about nerve pain in arms or neck or anything like that. But, yeah, so for the last week before that, I had been trying, like it had been bothering me for a week or, you know, a few days, and I was trying to make an appointment with a doctor with the Colorado Springs Orthopedic Group, and basically you call their scheduler, and they never answer. You have to leave a voicemail. And living kind of in the middle of nowhere, I often do not have phone service. So she would call back and leave me a voicemail saying, call me back and we'll make an appointment. And so I'd call her back and she wouldn't answer. So that went on for a week before it was just so bad. I just had to go back to their urgent care clinic. And that doctor said, you need an MRI. You know, here's some cortisone, like oral cortisone and a muscle relaxer, which helped it immediately. And yeah, so I'm getting an MRI on, my voice is failing, getting an MRI on Friday. Oh yeah, Andrea had to talk to people at a gathering. Yeah, I've been talking. We went to a friend's. And listener. (laughs) And listener. He listens. He said he makes it through most episodes. (laughs) I mean, he's a bike rider. He's not a... He's not a mountain bike He's not going through the finer nuance of suspension setup for sure. Uh, But, yeah, so we went to a party at his house. That's why my voice is extra crackly. Uh, But, yeah, so I get an MRI on Friday, and I have a follow-up doctor appointment on next Tuesday. So when we record next week, I should have some news about what is wrong with my neck that's causing nerve pain. Breaking news. Shit's fucked. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, really the reason why I don't really care, I don't want people to message me with, suggestions and things like that if you can all of a sudden make the american healthcare system not broken in every way shape and form then i would definitely be a lot more aggressive with how i treat any orthopedic issues i have including my sciatic pain that i've had for a long time Um, but it's a fucking nightmare 
and it gives me anxiety to deal with it. So unless it's doing something like interrupting my sleep, if I can just work around it, like I've been doing with my back and sciatic issues, if I can just work around it and have a basically normal life, then I'm just going to do that because it's insane. Like my insurance company denied the MRI, like they're not covering the MRI because of a lack of conservative treatment. So they want me to go to a doctor who, other than looking at an x-ray that looks totally fine, doesn't really know what's going on and is just going to have to spitball some conservative treatment at me that may or may not work. So I said, no, I'm just going to pay. So thank you to our patrons because some of that money goes to my bank account and that is helping pay for this. So moving on from that, that's what's happening in Neckworld. Respectfully, you should wrap this up so you have some voice left for the rest of the show. <laughs> uh, Matt and I went out the weekend before last and I set up some, no, it was last weekend. I set up some trail cameras in an area where I saw a bunch of bear sign when I was turkey scouting. So I've got to go pick those up soon and see if there's any bears on there. We rode Silver Creek, which I think is a fun trail because it's got a little bit of everything. It's a high country trail. Yes, 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 yes. It's a long descent. You start above tree line and you end, I don't know, below tree line. Wow. <laughs> so insightful. It's like a 20 minute descent. It's really cool. And so you start above tree line. It's a little gnarly. After an hour and a half of biting flies, followed by another 20 minutes. Then you ride the Continental Divide Trail. You ride one of the nice sections of the Monarch Crest Trail between the climb and the Silver Creek Trail. I'm just being... Yeah. And yeah, then you go down this, this one and it's fucking awesome. So it's got some really fast sections. It's a little blown out right now because it's just been so dry and because it's also the... The descent that most people take when they do Monarch Crest, they go down this trail. Well, not most people. When you ride the classic crest loop, it's not a loop, but like if you look up the crest on MTBR or Mountain Bike Project, this is how you exit the crest. It yeah, is the down, classic crest trail. Yeah, you go down Silver Creek Trail and it's powdery and blown out in some spots. Um, there are a few places where if you don't know the trail, um, you end up breaking too hard and churning up a bunch of dirt and dust and making brake bumps. So fortunately, I know those spots and I just ride at a conservative pace at those spots and then go fast all the other spots. But yeah, that was awesome. And that's all I have written down to talk about. <laughs> HS2 rotors? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I put the HS2. So if you remember, just a quick recap, I put the new code stealth brakes on my Mayhem. Did not like them because the travel of the lever was too far before I hit the bite point of the, or I guess the contact point of the pad and the rotor. And put the HS2 rotors on my wheels, which are two millimeters wide instead of Thick. one. Yeah, 1.8. Five. Oh, 1.85 is the starting. Correct. Okay. Sorry, I missed that hundredth. Well, it matters. It's dot five versus dot 5.1. Yeah. So... Yeah, those two millimeter thick rotors, totally good. And actually didn't, I mean, it could just be because it's new rotors, but my brakes had been a little noisy and they were absolutely quiet the whole way down. Who put those rotors on your bike? Matt put the rotors on my bike. Andrea is not the only one that does service work for someone else. <laughs> so yeah, those, I mean, they fixed the problem. It's, it's not an issue anymore. I can run my levers where I want and when I pull on the lever... I get contact well before the bar. So 
I'm happy with that. I'm glad I can keep the brakes on my bike. And if you, you know, if you have smaller hands, you definitely should pay attention to that. If you have bigger hands, you probably won't notice. I don't. Yeah, Matt doesn't notice on his, you know. I'm also not a smart man, so. <clears throat> yeah. Oh. So, what? I want to say I swapped from the Hey Duke to the Jaffe, and I didn't need a motherfucking brake line. <laughs> For once, I swapped frames, and I didn't need a brake line. You don't know how happy that makes me. I mean, for twice. My Epic Evo, I got away without a line. Yeah, it's a little... I got away without a line. Okay. This bike, I got away without a line. (laughs) Real stoked. All right. Do we want to talk about new shit? Oh, I've got one thing I forgot to talk about. Oh, yeah? Um, Go ahead. I did crash the balls off of uh, the Talaria (laughs) and uh, nunchucked it down a mountain into a creek. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so did you have some of those like truck nuts like balls on it and when that happened the nuts flew off of it yes that is exactly that's exactly accurate but yeah we were just ripping down this trail called stansbury front and we were on a not very ridden part of it on the southern section and there was a super you know the winter was super harsh lots of rain lots of snow and a bank of the trail that goes uh next to a creek river thing had uh, washed in and I didn't see the washout until like the last second. And I tried to go like up and over on the high side of it. And the bike just, I just lost the back end of the bike. And luckily I was able to jump off and like grab a bunch of like whatever was on the ground, little bushes or something like that. (laughs) And I was looking, I didn't look back at the bike because I thought I was going to go down and it was extremely steep. And the bike did many, many end over end flips and made lots of really bad noises. And it was very long. It was like probably over many, many seconds. It was falling. It wasn't like, it was like, exactly. (laughs) Like long enough that you could be like rocks rolling down into oblivion. It was lots of, it was long enough to think, fuck. Yeah, it was very, it was very, very bad. But surprisingly enough, uh, worked my way down and got to the bike, and it was it was mostly okay. I was really surprised. What was not okay? The forks slash bars were a little bit tweaked, but you just kind of wrenched them back straight again because a triple clamp fork, just the inherent flex in there, you can kind of wind them up either direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you just kind of unwind them, but it was fine. How did you get from there back to the trail? Uh, I was able to work it back up. I kind of was able to caddy corner work s work my way up the up that landslide if you will and it took probably 20 minutes and lots of effort and two people and we drug the bike uh back up the thing i probably could have ridden up the creek maybe i'm not sure but yeah we got it we got it out maybe i'll post a i'll put a picture up there and it won't look like anything in the picture it looks you know it doesn't even look like it's down there very far but yeah it was how um how much does that bike weigh uh, weighs 150. So what would have happened if that had been a full-sized gassed moto? Oh, that bitch would mm. live there. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing to think about for real. Like doing some of this enduro stuff, if you're with one other person or worse yet, if you're by yourself, you could like lose a bike. It could be gone. Apparently that's a big you thing just have in, to come, in come snowmobile. Come back with a few people. I guess so, yeah. I mean, you could definitely chuck your thing down a mountain where you're just not getting it back. Because, yeah, people may not realize some of these mountains, there's no... You could probably work your way down, but the problem is if you work your way down, you're working your way towards even more nothing. Like you can't get 
you just can't get back up another way even even if you went way around it just you just keep going down some ravine <laughs> and and it goes nowhere so def- yeah scary thought but it was all in all it was pretty pretty funny and i was unhurt so that was good but that's right, uh, that's my story from the weekend that i forgot about so are we We're gonna lo- jumping into what questions or new, new shit all right yeah there's all shit. kinds of shit all right, I'll start reading. Industry 9 Duo Carbon Trail and Enduro Wheels Go Front and Rear Specific. Andrea leaves wet spot in her chair. <laughs> Andrea gets a lady boner for front specific rims. I, I do like that idea. I don't have them, but I would definitely like to try them. So Just what's like the deal? The it's a little them. wider in the front, narrower in the back, which I don't fully, I don't fully get why that's even necessary personally we still need to make round tires i don't know why we stopped making round tires <laughs> well they'll help your tires be more round kenny i guess yeah maybe on the rear um that's that just, is accurate what but one millimeter i, I don't know so hydro- i think it has it probably has something to do with weight also because they do say that on so they're making this a wider set. maybe thinner layup more vertical compliance on the front but that's also kind of weird because the back is where you're going to get beat up, right? So don't you just Well, want... the back, at least on, on these, the back has a wider bead wall. No, no. That's what it says. Oh, so maybe a little bit more impact protection? Uh, see, I read that as kind of like confusing because they're talking about two different wheel sets there. So I don't know if the latter means the 29 millimeter rear has a wider bead wall or the 29 and 30 both have a wider bead wall than the 28 that it replaces. Hmm. I think they're saying that the 29 millimeter rim on the rear has a wider bead wall. Okay. I think we need more information. But okay. this is a 24 hole wheel. 1550 uh, grams. Yeah, so it's they call it cross country or light trail riding. Are there 24 hole wheels still that 2 to 1 lacing pattern because if they are I'm fucking out. Probably. I don't know. Hopefully not. No, that was that was Roval, wasn't it? No, was it well, I mean, also? Roval did that weird shit back in the day. Uh, but no, for sure, the Industry 9 24 Ultralight or whatever it was called, this is way back when, was a two-to-one lacing pattern, and that stupid thing detensioned so easily. So hopefully this is not that. They All also right. have a 32-hole I was going to try to talk for you. Okay. So Hydra Trail 30 29 Duo 32-hole trail those are what seem to be same rims because you got all those extra fucking spokes. They weigh sixteen hundred and forty grams, like you're poor. And they're um, also they they are the industry nine alloy spokes. All right, what's next on the list here? Let's see. Uh, I've got Hydra one. and is this more i nine? Oh yeah, we were just yeah. gonna. Oh my bad, you're the, going. Uh, these are all the wheel sets. Okay, I thought we were going yeah, to the so next topic. I'll do the just, next topic. We can we can be brief. So we got some Hydra and. Dura 325 310s. These are 32 and a half mil front, 31 24 rear. 24 hole all mountain endurance. God damn right. 1650 grams, 2.3 to 2.6 tires get you some. Um, and then they make a Enduro 32 hole, which is same rims uh, with, uh, let's see, same width, 32 holes, 1740 grams. They're 32 and a half millimeter front internal 31 rear. That's the same as the rim we just talked about. Oh. In 24 hole. Oh, I got it. Yeah. So there's there's two different rim sets that come in two different drillings each. So you can get the 29 30s in 24 hole and 32 hole. You can get the 32 and a half 31s in both 24 32 hole. And then with 
just a standard wheel set, so not front and rear specific. They also now have a 1,470 gram UL300, which is now a 30 mil internal cross country wheel set. And those rims are made by We Are One. Yep. Well, that's interesting. So, yeah. Um, and then there's some gravity stuff, and we don't have to go through that because. Yeah, who cares? I mean, I mean, people care, but like that's not really our thing. Um, they have some 27.5 enduro wheels, some e mountain bike wheels. God, those things are heavy. And some free ride downhill and enduro wheels, all the way up to 1,835 grams, which I think is actually even Still compared not that to. Heavy. No, yeah, no, nineteen hundred and ten grams. Oh, okay. So that'd be twenty-seven five, twenty-nine mix. Oh, okay. I get it now. That's, I mean, for a downhill wheel set, that's uh, not bad. So, yeah, that's new industry nine stuff. Um, what did I think was cool? That's... I've got one. Start. Okay. Uh, more wheels. What are they? Specialized. Did we see these? This, uh, if the. I-9s give Andrea a lady boner. These give me a man boner. <laughs> I think that's just a boner boner, Kenny. <laughs> no, it's a man boner. New Traverse SLs. Finally? Traverse SL2s. And they basically do all the things that I said that a rim should do. There are multiple flavors of DT Swiss rims. You can get it with fucking arrow lights. They are... 30 mil internal. Maybe they're even a little wider than that. The beads on those things are insane. They're 5 mil each. So 30 mil internal, 40 mil OD. And they're asymmetric drilled. And they're light. And they're cheap. How much does a wheel set weigh? And the goddamn valve stem threads in. <laughs> oh, I saw that. I hate that part. I love that part. It's going to be so like it sick. threads into the... Into the rim. You're... Yeah. So there's no there's no little cappy there's no lock cappy anymore. It threads you in take from like the a five inside. millimeter from oh. the inside and like tighten that bitch into your rim. Yeah, that's never gonna corrode into place. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I could see I could see how that could be good and bad. The reason I'm not worried about it is if it sucks, you can still just put a traditional valve stem in it. Oh, okay. Like they explicitly say that well, that's you don't good. have to get the thread in stuff, but it basically ticks all the boxes in my book. It's crazy. Uh, I don't have all the specs in front of me right now, but the weights were really, really reasonable, and the prices are insane. And they've got, yeah, they're going to be awesome. Are they made out of metal or crab on fiber? They make all versions. So they make uh, carbon. So they have carbon on DT350 with round spokes, carbon on DT240 with aerolites, and then they do uh, aluminum with on 180 DT350s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. The aluminum rim is not anything special, but I think it's still asymmetric if I'm not mistaken. So that's pretty cool. Did I ask, did you actually say how much they weigh and I forgot it already? No, I said that I don't have the specs in front of me. Uh, let me okay. click, let me clickety clack for a second because we should let people know. They were extremely competitive. I want to say they were in like the 1600 grams, I think, for the uh, DT240s and 1700 grams for the DT350s. And the if traverse wrong, line is kind of their like trail. It's their trail their wheel. trails. Okay. Yeah, totally trail wheel. So it shouldn't be a 1,200 gram wheel set. No, oh. absolutely not. Like you can get that right like, now in the this control. This is what belongs on a stump jumper. Exactly. Or most e-bikes. Enduro. Specialized is called a traverse SL2. Here we go. Boom. 
So 1,650 grams with valve and tape. That is the DT240 set. And so I think it's 100 grams more, 1,750 for the DT350s. Pretty cool. All right, then. Yeah. Neato. How many doll hairs? Doll hairs, 1,500 doll hairs for the carbon DT350 and a lot more doll hairs. I think like 20, maybe 2,400 for the DT240s. They're very expensive. That that sounds like the right pricing, you know. Yeah. That's how much those those Industry 9 wheels were somewhere around there also. Very cool. I really want to take a pair of Control SL rims and tear them down and get them rebuilt with I9 hubs and bird spokes. Sure. Why not? I mean, it'd be perfectly reasonable to do. Why wouldn't you I just wish... get the, the light bird wheels that are that? Because this would be weirder. <laughs> They'd be really light, too. Those control hoops, they are definitely pushing the lightness barrier, but I don't see them catastrophically failing. I've definitely seen people wad them up, but I mean, it's a we're talking about a 1,200-gram cross-country wheel set. Anyway... I really wish that Specialized would sell those hoops at a reasonable price because right now, if you buy the hoops, if I'm not mistaken, it's more expensive than buying the DT350 wheel set that has the same hoops. But it doesn't. I'm I'm going to go... I have no information. I'm going to say that it's not the same hoop. I have a feeling that they probably do the game where if you're... Like when they're building hoops, there's always going to be a weight variance. I have a feeling they go light hoop, Fancy, light hoop, fancy, light yeah, hoop, fancy. Yeah, but they don't even advertise. Hoop. They don't even advertise the fact that they sell rim hoops. It's like an internal dealer part that you can get. Like if you have to rebuild someone's wheel or something weird, they offer it. But it's not something that the average consumer is buying a control rim hoop. I'm saying I wish that Specialized would push that game a little bit harder. But I guess they want to keep their whole like system thing. Just it's weird to me. They. If they just priced them a little better, it would be freaking sick because tons of people would probably build with those rim hoops because I think they're really good rim hoops. Is this the time in the show when we say, whatever happened to Knox? <laughs> you know, what did happen to Knox? They, they're they still there. They still sell They haven't wheels. made a new just, wheel in yeah, they haven't 10 updated anything. years. That's insane, right? I'm, I'm going to look it up right now. That's totally wild. By the way, I've never yeah, broken the a same, Knox hoop. It's, and my Knox it hoops is... are still on that e-bike that a uh, friend of mine now owns. I broke a Knox hoop. <laughs> I knew. Well, there's nothing that, even that. fancy about them. Like they're not. They don't have these big burly beads for what they were, which is old tech. They, they are. They were they're very the, decent. They are the same wheels that they were five, I think, eight years ago. Yeah, like we lived in Memphis That's with, so with this lineup. No. The Skyline was launched after we left Memphis because I had an XCR. But the Skylines were definitely out when I was still in Memphis. So the Skyline's probably five or six years old, probably six years old. No, it's well, you left Memphis in 16. 17. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm, I feel like the Skyline rim came out in 16, though, because I Maybe smoked it did. my six, 16 XCR or 17 rim. for sure. Could have been 18, but I'm pretty sure it was in that 16, yeah, 17. No, ballpark. it couldn't have been 18 because when I smoked my Skyline rim, no, we can go through this. I raced a top fuel in 2016. I must have smoked my Skyline rim in 2015, and they or my XCR 29 rim, and they replaced it with a Skyline. So yeah, because it was the first summer, summer I was in, in, in Denver, Colorado. Because so, we were on the Apex Trail. Yeah, so that was an eight-year-ago launch. Yeah, and that 
is a 23 mil internal, and it builds up to a basically 1,400 gram wheel set with i9 hubs. Yeah, pretty crazy. Oh, I had the why does I had the Farlow 29 XC layup, and on 180s that wheel set was 1,550 grams, and that was definitely a trail wheel set. I'm still riding a pair of Farlows. Yeah, that was what is on your Jaffy now, right? Yeah. Those there wheels have been on everything. So, Knox, what's going on? Yeah, I asked them that, I don't know, a year or two ago. Are you guys planning on updating your stuff? And they're like, what do you mean? We are updated. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, so, don't get me wrong. It's still, it's still mildly relevant, but they don't have, their stuff's not wide enough, and they need to make it a little shallower. They could do some tweaks, build some little bigger bead socket or bigger uh, beads on there. If they just tweak these things a tiny bit, they could be way more relevant. So while we're talking about that, I wonder if Envy is going to release a direct competitor to that control wheel. You know, that because their M525 is what I'm running right now. It's a very competitive wheel in the 25 millimeter width. But I wonder if they're ever going to release like an M530. That would be their nomenclature for it, you know. Well, they had, the, they had the X. M30 was their budget trail wheel. No, you, you didn't let me finish. So the AM30, 5 sorry. Series, M5 would be their their XC lineup of parts. I wonder sure. if they'll ever release a 30 mil rim for like modern I see what you're XC. Saying. Yeah, they need something wider in the XC world than 25. I totally agree with that. Yeah. My butt is sweating. My ass is just sweating right now. It's so hot. It's 80 degrees in here. And it's 9 o'clock at night. So new boxer gets thirty eight millimeter sanctions <laughs> and coil like air spring. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. I mean, not the boxer. I'm sure the boxer is wonderful, but I'm straight up wearing only a pair of underwear to record. Yeah, Matt's wearing underwear and a hat. I'm wearing normal clothes. I'm not in my underwear, but I did have to take the bra off because it's way too hot for extra layers. It's yeah. So we Matt, you're not wearing a shirt or pants? No. I'm going to take a picture and put it on Instagram. (laughs) I'm wearing a pair of outdoor research underwear and a Patagonia hat. Nice. That's it. This is peak male physique, whether you like it or not. That's going to go on Instagram, on Jerry Instagram. sitting here with a farmer's tan looking kind of fat. (laughs) Uh, So new boxer comes out, gets 38 mil stanchions. Uh, bitch is ready to party. Let me tell you this. It has a new twin tube debonair plus air spring. It's got the, the old charger. it's got the old air spring inside of another shaft situation going on. It's just weird to me. I'm sure it's there's not, reasons why that you do that, so, but so ugh. the air spring is now just like the damper where it's fully self-contained. You can remove the air spring. The fork leg is not doing the air sealing. Yeah, and maybe that's better from a lot of standpoints from maybe like if there's inherently a little bit i guess it makes sense if there's maybe a little bit of flex going on that would probably help seal things up so i don't know maybe it's not the craziest thing it just seems weird to have extra parts extra sealing surfaces extra weight but well i wonder if it's not though like i understand you're saying extra sealing surfaces but it's just different ceiling it's surfaces. It's different. Yeah. So we're taking the, we're no longer asking the fork leg to be a ceiling surface. We're building one thing to seal and another thing to control. I guess I'm thinking more wonder. of the Fox 38, how they implement that because there's like some extra freaking seals in there now and they tend to have some problems. Now, this bitch is fresh. I touched one of these. Let me tell you this if you're used to touching like SIDS and lyrics and you pick up a boxer, God damn, your back's going to hurt. <laughs> 
It's like a fucking weapon. No, but it's I'm, not I'm like stoked. a weapon. I'm stoked for it. I'm very glad that the boxer has grown out of 35 stanchions, and I'm glad that it's getting all kinds of new tech. I want to try one. I may or may not, you know, get bored and put one on a motorcycle and not tell people. <laughs> I mean, it's bright red. I, I don't think anyone is going to not notice. I really want to see a cutaway of the air spring, but they didn't have one in this article. And the air spring's got some extra little, like, vent dimple thingies in there, maybe, or something. I don't know. I saw... I, I browsed let, it quickly. It's to let your fork bath oil circulate on longer, like, hits further into the travel. It lets that bath oil get up into the area around the seals. Also, it doesn't have bleeder valves on the back. It has little lock nuts. I so, wonder if that has to do with the fox patent thing. The SRAM claims that this is to help the fact that those were pretty dirty. They would they would get really gunky. Yeah, they kind of do. A little bit of oil kind of spurts out when you push them sometimes. Yeah, and these, the best way to describe it is this is the same casting, drilling, whatever you want to call it. So if you wanted to replace the buttons on your Pike Lyric Zeb with these, you can do that. That will be a part that's available separately in the future. Also, what would be cool of RockShox is if they do want to skirt, assuming that there's some type of patent stuff going on here, which is fine. That's neither here nor there. I don't really care. But it would be cool if they did make it in such a way that if aftermarket companies wanted to make stuff for them that made it more like quick bleeder style, that you could just buy those and then no harm, no foul. Nobody cares, right? I'm sure that somebody will make that because it's a very low pressure system. I mean, the, the lowers don't have pressure. So that little valve doesn't need to hold Pressure. I mean, it can be as loose as possible as long as it doesn't let oil leak out. I think it's like, you know, at most a couple of pissies. <laughs> a couple of pissies. <laughs> All right, what else are we going to talk about? New there... micro spline wide range gravel gearing. Interesting. Mechanical gravel group. And, you know, as much as we, I mean, it's 10 speed. It's one by or two by. It's 1148, I think. I mean, you could scroll down and we could like know. I know, but you get mad when I start scrolling. Too start much. scrolling. We need to give people the facts. So 10-speed, so, mechanical disc brake only. 4269 or 4831 chain rings with a massive 17-tooth jump. Yeah. Um, it's 1138 cassette. Sorry, I was a little off there. Wait, 1138? Oh, wait. You can go to, uh, hold on. They actually have this compatibility chart down here that, I think it's 11.38 for the 2-by and 11.48 for the 1-by. Yeah, 11.48 for the 1-by system and then 11.38 for the 2-by system. All right, 29.38. You can pull a stump out of the ground with that. You can drink White Claws and ride up a mountain. (laughs) Sure. Uh, The crank set is Shimano compatible. I read this article ahead of time. I actually know a little bit about it. All right. Um, But it's... It's got a clutch on the rear derailleur. It's yeah, it's just micro shift. I mean, it's just cheap, and I'm sure some entry level and like just above entry level bikes are gonna have it, along with people who like weird, not big brand stuff. Though apparently this one is not compatible. Former micro shift was compatible with Shimano, and this is no longer compatible with Shimano. Oh well. Yeah, and people in the comments are big mad about that because they're like, now micro shift is being like the big guys and making stuff that's all proprietary. Moving on. <laughs> uh, SRAM has a patent 
for a wireless access front derailleur built inside of chain rings. It looks somewhat complicated. We don't have to get into it because it's road stuff anyway. No one cares. Yeah. It's road for now. Uh, I guess that would road. be... Why isn't it Maybe it's a Hammerschmidt. Oh, my God. Hammerschmidt 2.0. Fuck. Jesus Christ. I got a man boner. <laughs> it would be... Don't uh, put that on the internet. That, that, could, be, that could be super cool. Access Hammerschmidt. Jesus I want like uh, I want it built into my crank, and I want like a zillion tiny little arms to all come out at the same time and grab the chain from the small ring, and then like expand out, and it like plops it onto your big ring. Uh, you say that. I think that's kind of how it's not a a zillion tiny arms, but I think that is the general way yeah. that this works. Yeah, that's very interesting. Oh, it's not it's not nearly as cool as I thought. I was envisioning a chain ring that literally just got bigger somehow. <sighs> And then got smaller again somehow. Oh, okay. Whatever. Let's move on. Uh, we have to make our wolf th- wolf tooth plug of the show. Yeah, we've got to make our uh, ties to the teeth from the wolf. Uh, they have now added oval and three bolt T-type chain rings. And they have a compatibility guide, which is very good. I went and looked at it. It's extraordinarily good even if you aren't interested in getting a wolf tooth chain ring and you're worried about compatibility and you're kind of confused about uh mountain bike wide and offsets and things you you should always be worried about getting a wolf tooth chain ring (laughs) if you just want to understand uh, the different chain ring offsets and crank spindle lengths and all of that um, their compatibility guide is really good it explains it like you're seven. Maybe not like you're five, but like you're seven. Um, it's it's extremely good. So even if you're not shopping wolf tooth stuff, if you just need to learn more about compatibility with uh, rear hub spacing, spindle uh, length, bottom brackets, chain ring offset. And Kenny, they even mentioned the narrower, narrower Q-factor SL cork in there as well. Nice. So I guess a couple things both SRAM facing. One is it's very cool that SRAM realized that they did not publish adequate information on all these weirdo things they were releasing and these like thread on chain rings and why in the world there's a zero and a three millimeter offset. And it's because you've got different Q factor and different chain line cranks that they don't really talk about. Also, uh, so thanks to SRAM for posting that finally, but on their they don't really mention Q factors and chain lines in their product information. So that would be helpful if they did that. And another request from SRAM would be, can you tell me what is actually different about a T-type chain ring? Because I've had them up next to an X-Sync 2 chain ring and they look exactly the same. And I even put some calipers on them, at least just very like in a very basic way. They look the fucking same. Also, and okay. we, we did experiment with a couple of customers' bikes, and I wasn't directly involved with this, but I just kind of heard in the background of people playing around with this stuff, because this is going to happen, is, hey, can we get away with running an X-Sync 2 chainring, SRAM-branded chainring, with a T-type chain, and some people were getting chain suck issues. So I think there is something subtly different about it, but I looked at them like oh, what I thought okay, was pretty thoroughly, let, and they look the same. Let me interject here, because I'm really confused. If X-Sync 2 doesn't work, then why does a road X-Sync 2 one by work if you want to run it like a transmission mullet? Because it does. Exactly. And they also say that the T-type chain ring is backwards compatible with a regular old school mountain chain. That's why well, I and thought... the Wolf Tooth... So that's the why Wolf I thought Tooth they were the same. Drop Stop B. So um, this 
T-type compatible uh, chain ring that they're releasing is compatible with 9, 10, 11, 12-speed Eagle, and 12-speed SRAM transmission. 12-speed Campy. Campy and 12-speed KMC. God, those last two could just die. And <laughs> not with 12-speed Shimano. Yeah, yeah. Oh, So I just want to know, what is the actual difference, or is there not actually one? I don't know. I don't know, and I would... I need to find that answer out. I want to talk to someone really smart that can help me understand how does X-Sync 2 differ from T-Type and why does... So then maybe the million-dollar question or answer really is maybe road X-Sync 2 chain rings don't technically match mountain X-Sync 2 chain rings, and we never knew it because it just didn't matter. So according to this Wolftooth document, it says increased roller pocket diameter to accommodate the larger rollers on a flat top chain. The tooth pitch is unchanged, so it is backwards compatible with all those same drivetrains that I just mentioned. Well, there you go. So maybe Wolftooth had the answer. And that would make sense if someone had chain suck trying to use the wrong parts with each other. I took a good look at all the, those uh, those old chain pockets or whatever they're called, and they look the same to my eyeballs, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're not eyeball same. Maybe yeah, they're they eyeball. might not be eyeball same. My eyeball probably only goes down to like a couple foul. Yeah. <laughs> a BCH. <laughs> uh, what else is next? Let's keep moving. We've been recording for three hours. I know. <laughs> oh, wow. We have. Okay, this will be the last one, and we can just... Next no week, questions? Next week will just be listener question extravaganza. Oh, my God. I'll do, yeah. Uh, and I just have to mention this because, one, Steve Domahitty is an all right guy. And, two, because it is uh, carbon tie bonding. Maybe Steve needs to build a submarine. <laughs> the Viral Optimist is a carbon and tie linkage-driven single pivot 160 millimeter mountain bike. I got tired before you finished reading the fucking name. <laughs> that's that's one thing in the current, and this is nothing against Steve. That's just one thing in the current mountain bike world that I find to be really tiring. When it's like the new Commonsol Meta TR FSR 7964 edition slope style deluxe, and I'm just like fucking Christ. Like they sold out before I read through the name of them. So this is, I mean, it's a cool looking bike. It looks expensive as fuck. I'm sure it is because it's like this fancy boutique bike. I mean, it has Max's tires on it. No one can afford that. (laughs) It has the new Pinion, let me get the official name, electronic smart shift system. So it's electronic shifting for your Pinion gearbox. And the new Pinion gearbox, according to its kind of release with a different bike, came out a few weeks ago will shift under load bull honky so that is one complaint that we've always had and we've said it's not relevant until you can shift it like normal like you don't have to stop pedaling or pedal at 50 watts to shift gears okay so let's ask this question then does it shift under load like 11 speed xx1 or does it shift under load like new transmission because I always thought I shifted under load, and then I rode my transmission bike a while, and I went out and rode my gravel bike with the old poor people not transmission on it, and with regular axis with on regular it. With regular axis. Oh my god! 
hold on. And I shifted, and I thought my whole bike was just going to explode. Shut up. I'm not joking. Oh, my God. No, no. Hear me out. I made a shift. I don't want to hear you out. As if I was riding my transmission bike without really thinking about it, and it sounded so bad. I mean, I I do that all the time. I just ignore the noises. (laughs) 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 The worst part is... Andrea does that, and she reaches back and puts her finger on her derailleur. She's like, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> that scene from Fast and the Furious, the first one, where dude's like in the beginning of the movie, he's like, you know, racing his eclipse. And he shifts <laughs> and seven a, times. And he, yeah, and he's got a shitload of nitrous on it, and his like, computer's you know, blaring at him that he's about to lose his intake manifold or something. And he's like, shut up, and he slams the laptop. And it's making all kinds <laughs> of really bad noises. I fi- I yeah, that's feel how like I that's deal with shifting. Riding your bike. It's making it some is. super nasty noise, and you're like, shut up, and you just shift again. <laughs> um, the one thing that I, this this bike and the other bike that uh, was just released with this same gearbox, they both have belt drive. And I just want to say, I don't know, maybe belt drive has changed, but in 2016, 2015, 2016, whenever it was that I rode for Gates. That was 15 or 16 and 17. race season. No, because I moved to That's why Salida. I said 16 and 17. Yeah, so it was 2017 was like when I raced it the most. The One of the first things that they told me was when they handed me all of the belt drive stuff in the Gates bike department was be careful if you hit this on a log or something, if you hit the chain ring it can break the belt. And that's like that's that's the only thing that can go wrong is if you hit the chain ring, you'll break your belt. And one of the guys there who rode, who raced, I mean, super fast dude who raced for the team, he's like, yeah, I've broken a few of them. So I put a bash guard on it and I never had a problem because it was protected. But this mountain bike and the previous one are both, I mean, this is a 160 travel mountain bike. The other bike is a hardtail that's supposed to be I think like a more trail oriented hardtail they're not saying anything about that so I don't know if maybe I'm totally off base and they've made the belts differently now Um, this does have a tensioner so it's it's got like a push-up style tensioner that sits under the bottom bracket of the bike that would block sort of something from hitting your your chain, but it's not a bash guard. And as far as I can tell, neither of those bikes have a spot for a bash guard. I don't know. And also that tensioner is down there in the fucking danger that zone. That tensioner is in the danger zone for sure. But that's kind of my only, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see that Pinion is advancing some. And I do like the less maintenance aspect of it. You know, if they fixed the shifting where you can actually shift under load. But man, if, if belts are still... Put a chain on that motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, if belts were still how they were when I was using one, it's... they Like, if you're dry, dusty stuff, they squeak like a motherfucker. Like, I I don't... They say they're less maintenance, but fuck, a single-speed chain. So if you have a pinion drive, you have all of your gears in the gearbox in the bottom bracket area of the bike. You run it like... It's kind of like having a single-speed. But... A, cha- a single speed chain, if your chain line is on point, which it has to be for a belt. So if you have a straight chain line, the chain lasts for fucking ever. You just wipe it off and lube it every now and then. 
I had to clean and lube my belt more often than I did a chain because it would make so much noise. Didn't you you lube it with olive oil once? I don't remember. I got pretty desperate a few times. You put olive oil or coconut oil from the kitchen on it once. Yeah, yeah. I think I rubbed coconut oil on it one time. Belts make a lot of sense, I think, for like a commuter. Yeah. Um, But on a, yeah, especially out west on a mountain bike in the dust. So my Suron, which I no longer have, it had a, its primary reduction was a belt. And that thing would squeak and squeal and make all kinds of weird noises because it just dust gets in it. Yeah. So they're not maintenance free. They're not quiet unless, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe if you were East Coast or Northwest or something, somewhere out of the high desert or desert. Maybe they, it's not an issue, but man, if you live someplace dry and dusty, it is not a quiet drivetrain, like not at all. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see Pinion doing some new stuff, um, but yeah, the belt, I, I don't know about that. And I don't think you could make this full suspension into a chain drive. Um, I'm sure if Steve still listens, he'll message me about it. I don't know if he still listens or not, but the tensioner is pushing on the flat side of the belt. So I, I don't, unless they make a different wheel you can put on that that would make it chain drive, I, I don't think it would work on this bike. But yeah, we've been recording for forever. So I think next week we just do, I don't know, I'm sure there'll be some new shit, but we'll try to knock out a bunch of listener questions because we've we've got a bunch and they're good. We've got some good listener questions, but it is time to shut it down. I do. Kenny, anything else? Nope. Bye. All right, everyone. Thank you all for listening and good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along show. There's some shit coming out of your great pads.